welcome to another message presented by the ministry of Christian Faith Fellowship. We are fulfilling the call of God on this ministry to preach the Word of God without compromise, raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that we have to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Um, I'm going to take a little while today and, and uh, just share with you, if you'll allow me. Yeah. And I realize that it's already 11.15, so I, I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, and I'm aware there's no way I'll get through, so I'll just have to quit and I'll have to unhook. And we'll, next time we'll hook up again. But uh, there's just some things I've learned in 54 years of third world missionary evangelism. And some things I've learned have been, haven't been saved since I was six years old and felt the Holy Ghost and in and around and involved in ministry since I was a teenager. Uh, I've just learned some things over the years that, that uh, <laughs> help you succeed Amen. and make living life on planet Earth uh, better. Amen. Amen. So instead of giving you a sermon, I, I, I'm just going to give you a lifestyle, which I, I normally do. I'm, I'm not much on three points in a poem. I, I want to give you a lifestyle, how, how, this, how to make this stuff work on planet Earth for you. Amen. I, I've always felt, Pastor, like the congregation is smart enough. A lot of preachers don't believe this, but I believe the congregation is smart enough to, to see through you and see if you're just preaching. Right. <laughs> if you're just preaching something you heard somebody else preach, sounds good. Yeah. Or if you've lived this stuff. Yeah. I, th I think they know if you've been there, done that or not. And, uh, and the only thing I ever preach is stuff I've been there done then. Yeah. And, and, and I, I know for a fact it works. Like our book and tape table, our product table, I, I've always said there's no theory back there. There's anything back there that I, I think might work. No, no, no. That's 54 years of third world missionary evangelism. I know for a fact it works. And I know for a fact it works not just in America, but it works around the world. It works in rivers, jungles, mountains, deserts. Right. Because I've worked in rivers, jungles, mountains, and deserts. Renee asked me some questions this week about, about crocodiles and stuff. And I said, I remember being in the, I have been in the jungles of South America where they have crocodiles, not alligators. Crocodiles are man-eaters, alligators are not. And, uh, and, and dark at night, it's black in the jungle. Man, there's no lights, there's no ambient lighting. I mean, it is dark. And what moonlight and starlight there is is shut out by the canopy of the trees. And uh, have to cross some river. And, uh, man, I'd walk into that river and head into the other side and get some flashlight or something. And all of a sudden, you'd hear, pow, you'd hear that, that crocodile hit the water. Can't see him, but you know he's there, you know. And, uh, and of course, I, God always kept me safe. Always kept me safe. And uh, I'd walk across those rivers with, with missionary friends. Uh, one missionary friend, just two of us. And uh, uh, the natives would have to get him down and take their hunting knives and scrape the leeches off. I mean, scrape the leeches off his entire body uh, from walking through that river. And, and I never got a leech on me, not one, not one, not, not, not a leech ever, not one ever. Just because I used my faith. And I, I, I said, well, the Psalms 91 says there'll be no annoyance pestilence. I can't think of anything more annoyance than to have a bunch of leeches sucking my blood. So I'm not going to have that. So I never had a leech, not one, not one, not one. And they'd, they'd take him down and just scrape, I mean, scrape the leeches with their hunting knife. And so I've been there, done that. It's, I'm not just... 
preaching something I heard somebody say. It's like my, it's like my, found, my, my fathers in the faith I talk about. I didn't just hear them preach. I mean, they, they were my friends. You know, they, they creased my life. Like you'd take a hot iron and, and take a piece of cloth and, and, and put a crease in it. I mean, they, they creased my life. They, 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 they said things to me just sometimes it was a sermon, sometimes just a, a nugget, sometimes just a phrase. Sometimes it was at dinner, sometimes at my house, sometimes at their house, sometimes on the phone. I mean, they said things that I took to heart that changed my life. Like I said about that God's a good checker player thing. That was just a little old phrase from John Osteen to me when I was 18 years old. And, it, and I am still using it 54 years later and have used it all over the world. And it saved my life, saved me money. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, just because some man of God, some, some father of mine, some spiritual giant said something that I didn't say, eh, I know that. Yeah, I don't believe that. I mean, I took it to heart. And, and, and Mike, I've been there, done that. Yeah. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about this because at Brother Copeland's Southwest Believers here back in August, I don't know how many of y'all were there or watched it on TV, but, but uh, uh, Renee and I were there for the last half of the week. And, and, and we're sitting on the front row and, and Jerry Savelle's preaching. And, of course, we've known Jerry forever and ever. And Renee and Carolyn went to school together as girls in Shreveport, Louisiana. And, and she knew them when they got married and... And blah blah blah. We all go back a long way, you know. And so, uh, so Jerry's preaching, and he, he's saying something about some money or, or or something, prosperity, something. And when he did, he turned and looked at me and pointed at me, and he said, "Jerry, I remember all those years ago when you were preaching on living to give." And I said, "Yes, sir." And then he went on with whatever he was doing. Well, you know, Brandy and Matt and everybody can tell you that the office got inundated with people saying, what's he talking about? What is it? Do y'all have that series? What, 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 what's he, what was Jerry talking about? Living to give. And, uh, and so I said to the crew out here, I said, well, don't we still have that in the office? And they all said, so I guess somewhere down the line, some of my staff somewhere decided, I guess we don't need that anymore. I don't know who thought that up or who didn't do it. Or, but evidently we don't have it anymore. And I'm just amazed because I've only preached it for 54 years. You know, I mean, I've preached it everywhere I've ever gone in the world, Africa, India, uh, you know, the jungles of Southeast Asia, uh, all over Latin America, Mexico, South America, Central America. I mean, I, everywhere I've ever been forever. It, it's a lifestyle that, that I learned and that I live by even today. And any Christian can, can, can live by it. And there's so much misunderstood about prosperity. There's so much misunderstood about, you know, uh, you know, they're always saying, you know, making fun of the prosperity preachers and the name it and claim. I, I've laughed for, since I was a teenager and said, yeah, call me name it and claim it because I am. Yeah. I'm naming it and I'm claiming it, you know. Call it, blab it and grab it, see it and say it, name it and claim it. That's me. That's not offensive to me. Uh, man, I think you're stupid if you don't because God said call things that are not as though they are. So I'm going to claim it, name it, Amen. blab it, grab it, see it, say it. You know, right? But, but everything comes back down. I used to preach on, the, on, on motive and attitude and commitment so much that my wife Jackie, who's in heaven today, used to always say, well, Terry's preaching on God's Big Mac again. Motive, attitude, commitment. He may see. God's preaching. Terry's preaching on God's Big Mac. But, but everything we do is going to come back down to our motive and our attitude and I'll come at Kathy. Don't mention attitude this morning. You know, I'm a pilot, and one of the first things they train you as, as a young student pilot, one of the very first things they train you is that, is that the position of an airplane is called attitude. 
If, it's, if, it's, if you pull the nose up like this, then they call that a nose-up attitude. And if the nose is down, you know, you're starting to land, so you go down. They call that a nose-down attitude. Well, the, and so they teach you this phrase all the time, that your attitude determines your altitude. Yes. Yes. I mean, every, every student pilot knows that. And every Christian ought to know that, that our attitude will always determine our altitude. So, you know, however, you, however high you want to be, your attitude is going to control that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So it comes back to motive. What's my motive? Right. I had a friend of mine decades ago beg me to come to Nigeria. He's in heaven today. He was a Nigerian guy. He, he pretty well ran Nigeria, even though he was a preacher. The government did what he told him to do. Uh, I mean, he was just a great man of God and a powerful man of God and... and uh, he used to call me and say, Terry, all right, we'd be in the States preaching and we'd go out to eat together. So he said, Terry, come to, come to Nigeria. If you'll come, if you'll come preach for me, we'll do an open air crusade. We'll have a million people in the crowd. And I said, yeah, I, I, that's true. I said, but you can have a million people without me. So what's my motive? He said, yeah, but can't you just imagine uh, the newsletters and the pictures of you preaching to a million people? Uh There's the motive. There's the motive. I said, if I come for that. So I never went. Never did go. Never did go. Could have gone. Been easy to go, you know. But I I said, you know, what's what's your motive in asking me? What's, What's my motive for coming? I said, you know, we don't need two men riding the same horse. You can reach a million people without me. I need to go where they can't reach a million people without me. I need to go where I can help. If I'm coming over there for you just so we can take pictures, (laughs) sure, I'd preach a good word. Sure, people would get help, but they'd get help from you. So we don't need two men riding the same horse. Right. (laughs) What's the motive? Your motive is going to determine your altitude. I mean, your attitude is going to determine your out this everything because it come back to motive, attitude, and commitment. So anyway, um, let me just touch on this living to give. And so I wrote it about it in my newsletter last last month, and I'm about to write in my, my, this month's newsletter as well. I'm going to follow up on it because uh, living to give is a is a lifestyle. Yes. It's not a sermon. It's not three points in a poem. It's a way of life, and it's God's nature. That's how God lives. It's how God thinks. Isn't that right? Yeah. See, when Renee was talking a while ago and God said, just give me one. Well, why does, he, why does he say, just give me one? You'd think he'd say, give me gazillions. No, because he understands the laws yes. of living to give. He understands the laws of seed time and harvest. If I got one, yes. I can get a bunch. Right. Yeah. Amen? Because that's what seeds do is they grow. A seed has no other purpose except to grow. Amen. Its whole destiny, its whole purpose in life is to grow. It doesn't have ten purposes, it has one purpose, grow. You put a seed in the ground, it's going to produce more than you put in. Why? Because it's God's nature. God invented it. God thought it up. It was his idea. No man thought that up. No banker thought it up. No investment maker thought it up. No Wall Street broker thought it up. No financial guru thought it up. God knows more about money than anybody. And why we run to men and ask them about money has always baffled me. 
One really good friend of mine years ago, great man of God in heaven today, but great man of God. Most of y'all got his books and stuff at your house, I'm sure. And good friend of mine, we were at breakfast one day, and he said, you know, Terry, I woke up this morning with an insatiable desire to buy silver. I said, really? He said, yeah, I think silver's going to go up. I think, man, I think I'm going to make some money. I just, man, I want to put some money in, in silver. I said, well, that's cool. That's cool. I said, uh, do you believe what you preach? He said, well, of course I believe what I preach. I said, well, you never go into the church and tell the people to buy silver. You go into the church and tell them to give offerings and God will bless them back. Right. I said, you tell them God will bless them a hundredfold. I said, is silver going to produce for you a hundredfold? Of course not. How much is a hundredfold? It's 10,000%. I don't know anything on the stock market that gets, gives you 10,000%. Right? I mean, so what if silver makes you 10%, 5%, 25%, 15%, 12%, 6%? That's not 10,000%. I said, you know, if you believe what you preach, won't you wake up with an insatiable desire today to go give some money away? To go plant some seed? Isn't that right? You, you know, I've said since I was a teenager, I don't live by the law of buying and selling. I live by the law of giving and receiving because it's a law. God invented it. Nothing wrong with buying and selling. I have no problem with it. It's just a lower law. When we can live by a higher law. Amen. 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 You know, I've been praying about the new church building. Y'all ever pray about the church building? You know, since, since COVID came and prices have been gouged and things are stupid and America's nuts, then, then the price of building the church has gone double. Well, that could make you just freak out. Or you could say, no step for a stepper. No hill for a climber. What does God care how many zeros it's got? If God's paying the bill... What do you care how much it costs? Your job's to believe it and 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 invest in it. If you if you believe it, you'll invest in it. If you don't, you won't. I've never I've never ceased to be amazed, Daryl, since I've been a kid, how these great preachers that, that consider themselves prophets and some of them are, I guess, uh, that have come up to me and prophesied. Oh my Lord, the stuff they prophesied over me. You're going to go around the world. Well, they, they were right, I have. You're going to have miracles. They're right, I have. You're going to raise the dead. They're right, I have. You're going to have blind eyes open, deaf ears. They're right, I have. I mean, just prophesy and prophesy and prophesy and prophesy and prophesy how, how I'm just going to do wonders and wonders and, you know, eat rotten cucumbers. I mean, just, oh, man, you're going to be the hottest thing. Blah, 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 blah. Thus saith the Lord. And, and then turn around and walk off and not, never one of them ever invested a dollar. Oh, and I always thought, now, if they believed that. Right, right. If they believed that I was going to be the hottest thing since sliced bread, you'd think they'd get in on a deal. Right. I'm not upset about it. I just have observed it. And think, well, do they believe what they're, do they believe what they're saying? Do they believe what they're prophesying? Because if you believe something, you act on it. You want a part of it. It's a good investment. I want to get in on it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. 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 
In fact, I want to get in on this feeding the football team deal, you know. We'll, we'll give you some money on that. I was going to tell Brandy, it looks like she's probably back here. But I was going to tell her, hey, see me after church because we need to send some money to Florida. You know, we need to help some people. And, uh, and we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. We need to do that. And uh, Renee calls some pastor down there yesterday and said, y'all got some widows or orphans or, 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 or poor people in the church that need some help that got hurt, so we'll, we'll help you. Yeah, and they said, well, we'll they said, well, we'll get some figures together and, and, uh, and, and send it to you. And Renee said, go ahead and do that. But in the meantime, we'll just go ahead and send you Monday morning. We'll just go ahead and send you a couple thousand dollars just so y'all can just, just get started. You know, because if you believe in it, you're going to invest in it. And then if you believe in God, you're going to be a giver. You, you, you know, you are what your father is. If your father's an elephant, you're an elephant. You know, if your father's a giraffe, you're a giraffe. If your father's a creator, you're a creator. If your father's a, gi a giver, you're a giver. You, you are what your father is, and God's a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. Now, now when he gave, why did he do that? Why did he give Jesus? I mean, this isn't a hard question. I'm not trying to be theological with you. I'm not trying to trap you. But, but I've always said this. Let me see if I can say it like this. I've always said... If you want to figure God out, if you want to be the psychiatrist and put God on the couch and, and, and psychoanalyze him about anything, no matter what it is, today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, 20 years ago, no matter, you put God on the couch and start psychoanalyzing him about anything, it's always going to come out seed time and harvest. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It is. That's, all, that's what he thinks. That's how he let, If you stuck him, that's what he'd bleed is seed time and harvest. Because he said, as long as time remains. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. Amen. Genesis 8, when they came out of the boat, when they came out of the ark, that's it, right? only eight people alive on the whole planet. They own it all. Yeah. They're rich. They're, they're gazillionaires. They own Ponder. They own Texas. Right. They own everything. Right. Eight people. And God said to him, now, get your notepad and get your pencil. Because I'm going to tell you your reason for existence on planet Earth. And he said, here it is. And it's the same thing he said to Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam, get your pencil, get your paper. I'm going to tell you what you're here for. We'll give you a reason for existence on planet Earth. What is it, Lord? Multiply and be fruitful. Amen. He said the same thing in Genesis 8. Multiply and be fruitful. I want a family. And he said, and now here's four immutable laws. Immutable means it's incapable of change, can't change. He said, here's four laws that will never, ever, 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 ever change. That as long as time remains. It's a law. It's a law. Whether you like it or not, believe it or not, make a difference. Whether you pay tithes or not, whether you confess or not, make a difference. Laws are laws. And he said, as long as time remains... There'll be seed time and harvest. Yes. There'll be night and day. There'll be heat and cold. There'll be summer and winter. Now those four laws, you can't do anything about that. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. They're happening. Yeah. Amen. And if you ever want to psychoanalyze God and put him on the couch, it, that's what's going to come out is seed time and harvest. It's his nature. Amen. He invented it. Amen. Amen. So everything with God... Is seed time. Everything in your hand is a seed. Y'all don't get scared. I'm not going to take up an offering. I'm just, I'm going to send you away alive. Everything in your hand is a seed, and everything in his hand is a harvest. Yes. Always. Always. 
And, and it's not that you're giving to get, although you do give and get. It's just that you're giving out of love and because you want to be like your father. Yes. But, but don't be stupid and try to cut off the, the, the law because it says if you plant, you're going to reap. Yes. Now, Christians mess up because they start doing the give to get thing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Give to God because you love him. Pastor stands up and says, let's feed the football players. And do it because you love pastor and he's your pastor and, and he's your father and you do what you, he tells you to. And it's your nature to give. So you're going to give to these kids. You're going to give to the coaches. You're going to give to the school. It's going to, the city's going to see it. It's going to bless the church. The city's going to be in trouble one of these days. Somebody in this town's going to be in trouble. And they're going to say, oh my God, is there anybody who knows how to pray? I don't, I don't. Well, what about that church that feeds the kids? What about that church that does Polar Express? What about that church? What about that church that's building out here? What, what, you know, and, and, all, and they think about you. Amen. So all those are seeds. And you know, if you really believe there's seeds, and if you really believe there's going to be a harvest, you want to get in on it. Amen. Don't you? Yes. You always want to get in on a good thing. Don't you? So, anyway, when I wrote in my newsletter the other day that Jerry said that and that I checked with the office and we don't seem to have it anymore, that, so I'm going to go somewhere and take four or five days, three or four days, four or five days, whatever, some church is going to let me preach and I'll just preach the series. Yeah. Amen. And uh, since I have, there's three churches contacting me and said, do it here, do it here, do it here. <laughs> So I'm not sure where we're going to do it or may do it several places. I don't know. But I, I just need several services to do it. And, of course, I can't do it in one, one service. But, but I'm, I'm just going to give you a little synopsis today. And then, and then maybe next time I come back, we may give another little synopsis. I don't know. But, but, I, but, but it's just such a... Some things I've preached so long and I've lived for so long, I forget people don't know it. Jackie used to tell me, my first wife used to tell me, she'd say, Terry, she said, you, you don't know the difference between common sense, horse sense, what I call horse sense, and the wisdom of God. And I said, what does that mean? She said, well, you've been running around with God since you were six years old. So you've been hearing from God since you were six. You talked to God since you were six. Everything about with you is God this and God that. And, and, and you look at spiritual laws. And, and, and she said, you know, you, you just... That's your mentality that everything run run it through God first, and she said so. So a lot of things that you think is horse sense that everybody knows, she says, really wisdom of God that God showed you over over years, and you just think everybody knows that. And she said everybody doesn't know that, and you're always getting mad at them and saying, "What's the matter with them? Don't they have any horse sense?" She said, but you don't know the difference in horse sense and the wisdom of God because you've, you've, you've meshed it together for so many. And, you know, she may have a point. But uh, God, God is a giver. And, and when he wants something done, he gives because he knows there's going to be a harvest. Why does he know that? Because he made the law. He invented it. Everything on this earth is the way he intended it to be. And Renee and I are flying down this week to Mexico. Uh, 
uh, to, there's a church down there, a partner church, people, that, dear friends of mine, that want us to do a marriage seminar. And so we're going to go down and do a several day marriage seminar, and, you know. And uh, uh, I tell people all the time, marriage seminars, I say, you know, God invented marriage. He knows more about it than anybody. Why would you go to some dumb counselor in the world? I don't care how many certificates they've got on the wall, you know, when you got the Bible. God invented marriage. I always tell them, I say, you know, God, when God, when God, the first thing God said to Adam and Eve was, give me a family, multiply and be fruitful. So I said, he, he invented having babies. They were his idea. No grandparent thought them up. No parent thought them up. God thought babies up. And he could have had them delivered by the stork. He's God. It's his rules. His world. Storks will do what he tells them. He could have them delivered by the stork. He could have them born in the cabbage patch. He's God. It's his rules. And I always say in marriage seminars, and I'll tell them in Mexico next week, God could have had babies born any way he wanted to. So he did. Yes. It's his system. Amen. His system, plant a seed, reap a harvest. It's God's system. The laws of seed, time, and harvest. They'll, they'll never, ever, 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 ever change. As long as time remains, there'll be seed, time, and harvest. Amen. Amen. My, my, my. And you'd think we'd know that by now. Amen. Isn't that right? But anyway, when I was a little boy, age six, got saved. I immediately started, if I had any money, I, I gave it in the offering. And I immediately started paying tithes, Mike. Whatever, whatever I got, somebody gave me money for my birthday or whatever. I mean, or whatever, you know, if I earned some money, so, man, I paid my tithes, 10%. And uh, I didn't think anything about it. God just said, do it in the Bible. Right. And pastor said, do it. And mama said, do it. So I just did it. Right. But I didn't think anything about it. I didn't put any faith with it. I didn't believe on it. I just did it because the Bible says do it. And God says do it. And pastor said do it. And mama said do it. Right. And I was happy to do it. But I never put any forethought to it. I'm sitting in church. I'm just sitting there like Merrick sitting there and just happy as a hog in a turnip patch. We've praised and we've sang and we've clapped hands and everything's fine. And pastor stands up and says, all right, let's receive tithing offering. I said, oh, oh, yeah. First time I thought about it. Oh, yeah. Man, I grabbed some money and here comes a bucket. Put some money in the bucket. I'm happy as a hog in a turnip patch again. Waiting for him to preach. Hadn't thought thing one about the tithe, the offering, or anything. Just happy to do it. But no faith, no forethought, no prayer. Just do it because God said do it. The Bible said do it. Pastor said do it. Mama said do it. And I remember one time I was a teenager and had, had a job making money. And so I'm paying my tithes and giving. I remember one time my mom came up to me and she said, Terry, she said, I know you pay your tithes and give. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, let me just give you some advice. Don't you dare ever expect anything back from God. I said, oh, no, ma'am, I wouldn't do that. No, I wouldn't put any pressure on God. I mean, bless his heart. I'm not going to put any pressure on God. And that's what they taught us in church. 
And so they passed the bucket, and I put my tithe in, put my offering in, didn't think another thing about it until I got to church the next time. And they said, let's take up the offering. I said, oh, yeah, need to give. No forethought, no faith, no nothing. I was just, I was just given to give. Because it's right. It's a good thing to do. And out of seven and a half billion people on the planet today, most of them are just living, Daryl. They're just living to live. I mean, they wake up in the morning, go to work, come home at night, and go to bed, get up in the morning, go to work, come home at night, and go to bed, get up in the morning, go to work, come home at night, and go to bed, get up in the morning, go to work, come home at night, and go to bed. There's no faith in it. There's no point in it. There's no anything in it. It's just they're here. You ask them why they're here? Because they're breathing. Why are you here? I'm here because I'm breathing. I'm alive. No faith. No, no thinking about it. No forethought. Just, I'm just here. I wake up in the, if I wake up in the morning, I'll go to work. You know? If I get through the day, I'll come home. Eat dinner, go to bed. If I wake up the next morning, I'll go to work. No, they're just living to live. There's no, there's no point to it. It's just a rat race. They're just here like their neighbors here, and the other neighbors here, and the other neighbors here. We're just, we're just here. We're out here on this blue marble that God put out in space. We don't have a clue why we're here, what we're doing. We're just here because we're breathing. And many, many, many Christians are that way with their giving. They're just giving to give. So folks are living to live and they're giving to give. There's no faith in it. There's no point in it. They're just, they're just, they don't mind doing it. They don't mind going to work and come home and going to bed. They don't mind going to church. They don't mind giving their offering. Some people get upset over tithe. You know, back in June, I just got inundated with partners and pastors especially when my dear friend, good guy, Creflo Dollar, made that statement that he did on, on tithing is not in the New Testament and tithing is not right. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear up all the books I ever wrote on tithing and um, all the stuff I ever knew about tithing is totally wrong. <laughs> you know, and, and so on and so on and so on and so on. Bless his heart. And, and he's a good guy. If he's a bad guy, I'd tell you he's a bad guy or I wouldn't name his name at all. I'd just say a uh, preacher. But he's a good guy. And he's a friend of mine. I love Creflo. Got a lot of wisdom, a lot of good, good, good words. He's wrong on this point. And he's always felt that way, or for the most part. And I've talked to him about it many, many, many times. It's just finally, finally somehow in June, all of a sudden, some wild hair got him to get up and say it publicly pretty straight, and it freaked people out. <laughs> but it's not a new idea to him. It's been, it, I, I've, I've, I've taken him to lunch at least twice, if not three times over the years over something that he preached and just took him to lunch and looked him in the eyeball and told him he was wrong and gave him scriptures of why it was wrong. Not that I convinced him. I mean, you know, he has his right to his opinion. He didn't change me and I didn't change him, you know, but I just said, hey, I, you just need to know, that instead of me talking behind your back, you need to know to your face, this is wrong. And here's some scriptures why it's wrong. So, so you know, he's just gone on and I've gone on. And, and, and so, you know, not any of my business and, not, not any sense of me talking to anybody about it, but all of a sudden he said it back in June, and my partners and pastors were driving me, Terry, what are we going to do? What, what about? So I've had to address it. All of a sudden it became my business. Wish it wasn't, but it became my business because now I've got to deal with it. And uh, pastors obviously had to deal with it from what he said today. And other pastors I know and friends I know have just written me, so what? I? So, um, 
couple of statements he made. I won't go into the whole thing. You can watch it on TV. Maybe some of y'all already have. You can watch, you can watch the clip where he preached it. Uh, but some of the things he said was, it's not in the New Testament, which of course we know it is. And this is the thing he said that really disturbed me. He said, all my life I've paid tithes out of fear. Well, whoa, that's a bad deal, man. You don't do anything out of fear. I've paid tithes all my life too, but never out of fear. Never, 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 never out of fear. You know, and he said out of punishment. And he said, I've preached it that way. Uh, I got it that way from my fathers, which I don't believe that because he's always said his father's Kenneth Copeland and Brother Hagan, and I know them both of them, <laughs> Brother Copeland very well, and knew Brother Hagan extremely well. And, uh, you know, they never preached it out of fear. No. Uh, so, to me, tithing's always been a privilege yes. and an honor. Yes. And something that I absolutely am un- unwilling not to do. There's no preacher could convince me to not tithe. You know, but the Bible says, taste and see the Lord's good. Well, you're too late. I done tasted. <laughs> you come to me and say, hey, Terry, ribeye steak's not any good. I say, you're too late, buddy. I've, I've tasted and seen, and they're good. I'm going to have another. You come to me and say, hey, Terry, $100 bills are no good. I say, too late. I've tasted and seen. You know, I've got a few, and I'll take all you can give me. Amen. So, you know, it, you taste and see the Lord's good, and so nobody's going to convince you Amen. any different. And so I've had to teach some quite a bit of stuff on it this summer. And, and I've got one of the greatest tithing sermons, I, in my own opinion, that's ever been preached on the planet. Just simply, I've called it, every war is fought over who owns what. And uh, I don't know if we have it at the office or not, but if we do, we ought to produce it. But I've preached that for decades, that every war on the planet is fought over who owns what. World War I was fought because Kaiser built in Germany deciding he won the rest of the world. And so we had to go straighten him out. And then Hitler came along, World War II, and he wanted the whole world. So we had to go straighten him out. You know, back in the early 90s, Saddam Hussein decided he wanted Kuwait. So he took over Kuwait. So all of a sudden we had to go over and kick him out. Took us 100 hours to go kick him out and send him back to Baghdad. Every war is fought over who owns what. He said, I want Kuwait. And Kuwait called us. And we said, hey, Saddam, that's theirs. You can't have Kuwait. That's not yours. Every war is fought over who owns what. Every divorce is fought over who owns what. When a couple gets divorces, they say, who gets the dog? You know, I get the dog, I get the house, I get the car, I get the VCR, I get the... Every war is fought over who owns what. And so church splits, same thing. Every war, every war, every war. And so that's what tithing is. When people fight with God over tithing, and fight with the pastor over tithing it's because they're fighting with God over who owns what God this is not yours it's mine and yet God said and when they quoted it today the Lord says the tithe is mine and he said and the tithe is holy so people fight wars I I know people Josh that will give God they don't mind they're Christians they love God they don't mind giving him 20% 30% 50% 60% 90% they don't mind giving to God a whole bunch but they just get ticked off and mad if you say pay your tithes I will not I'm the benevolent philanthropic wonderful nice guy that's going to take of my stuff that I earn by myself and I'll give God a little bit they're not, but they refuse to say this is God's. They don't mind giving offerings. Don't mind even 
paying a whole bunch of tithe, a whole bunch of, of course, you can't take, pay more than 10% tithe because the word tithe means 10%. You can't pay 20%. People say, brother, I pay 30% tithe. No, you don't. You, get, you pay 10% tithe. And then you give another 20. But you can't pay 30% tenth. Even other languages, if you go read the languages and Bibles in other languages, it still means tenth. In Spanish, diezmo is tithe. Well, the word diez is ten. So diezmo is a tenth. You just can't pay 50% tenth. You can't do it. And God said, it's mine. This is mine. Or Roberts taught us this. He said, you know, tithing and giving is not, is not a debt you owe. It's a seed you sow. And so we have to come back to realize that, hey, we're going to sow this seed and it belongs to God. But anyway, I'm not talking about tithing today. I'm talking about living to give. But, and it's 10 to 12, so I'm not doing very well. But anyway, as a boy, I, w- I would give to give. Didn't mind giving. Never minded giving. Happy to give. Happy to buy stuff for people. But, you know, I never expected anything back. Now, God still blessed me. He didn't bless me the way he wanted to and could have because I had no expectation and had no faith and had no hope. Hope means an excellent, an excellent <laughs> expectation of God. Okay, And so there's no expectation, there's no hope, there's no faith, there's no confessing, there's no believing. It's just giving to God because they said to and let's get on with the service. Right? So I lived that way, and God blessed me, but not like he wanted to or could have. And so when I got to be a teenager, I started my own business, made good money. I got engaged to Jackie. She was a dental technician. She made good money. She and I together made really good money. And, uh, and, and then we got married. And, and we, when we got married, on our wedding day, I got my draft notice. So I got drafted on my, on my wedding day. And I didn't have to report for several months after that, but, but I still was drafted. But, but, so, but we had just gotten married. And, but just before we'd gotten married, we'd gone and bought a house, three-bedroom home. We had bought furniture. We bought all the stuff you need. And we did it the good old American way of credit. And so now we're in debt. And it's okay because I make really good money. She makes good money. And we're happy as a hog in the turnip patch. And we didn't, we didn't ever think about the future. Right. You know, it's Tuesday afternoon. She comes in from work. I've been working since about 4 or 5 in the morning because I'm in the produce business. So I'm, I'm doing fruits and vegetables really early. You know, and then I'm through by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And she gets in about 4 and uh, so all of a sudden we look at each other somewhere around 5 o'clock or so and say, hey, I'm hungry. What do you want for dinner? Well, I don't know. What do you want for dinner? I don't know. And so we'd run to a restaurant and eat or we'd run down to the store and buy some stuff and come home and cook it. But we didn't think about what we we're going to eat tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. We thought about what we're we going to eat right now. Right. And so I had a wad of cash and she had money and, you know, and we just lived day to day and had plenty of money to do it. But when they said, okay, come on, report to the Army, then I get out in the Army, and now I don't have a produce business anymore. Now she's not a dental technician anymore. Now we're in the Army. And Uncle Sam's paying me $128 a month. Now I'm used to spending $128 a day. Right? right? With no thought of what I'm going to do tomorrow. And all of a sudden, there is no tomorrow. There is no money. Now it's $128. It's got to last for a month. 
Well, we didn't know how to live for a month, you know. And so every army base has, a, has the store on there. called It's called a PX, the Post Exchange. And so, so Jackie would go down to the Post Exchange and try to buy groceries for a month. And it didn't work because she had $128. She didn't even have that much because as soon as I got my check, we, we wrote out our tithe check and mailed that home to our church. And then we partnered with two or three people. I mean, little, little partnerships, like $5 or something. This back in the 60s. And so we'd, uh, we'd send those two or three $5 offerings off to whoever I was partnering with. You know, didn't pray over it. Didn't have any faith on it. Didn't have any expectation on it. It's just, hey, this is our tithe. Send this to our home church. And then send these partner things off. So now we're down to, you know, not very much money. And so we go try to buy at the PX and, and, and we, we run out of money before we run out of month. We run out of groceries before we run out of month. It wasn't good. And there wasn't any wads of cash that I'd always been used to having. So we're saying, Lord, this is tough, man, but, you know, we are tithers and we're still not expecting, we're still not confessing, we're still not believing, we're still not using the faith, but yet we know the fact that the Bible says we're tithers, God will bless us. So he is helping us. But not like he wants to. Not like he wishes he could. So we sail through there for a few months. And all of a sudden we got a three or four day pass or leave from the army for some reason. I forget why. And so we ran off out to Oklahoma to a little old bitty town called Stigler where Jackie's grandparents lived. And uh, now I love to talk to her grandma. Her grandma, I think she got the Holy Ghost the day he first fell. And I always loved talking to mom. Nobody else liked to talk to her, but I liked to talk to her. So when we'd go back to Jackie's relatives, then they'd all go talk in the kitchen about whatever they was talking about. And I'd go in and say, Mom, tell me about when you got the Holy Ghost. Or tell me this, or tell me that. And so we'd talk about, you know, God stuff. And uh, so she'd tell me all these tales and what have you. And back in those days when she got the Holy Ghost, all the beds were high. You know, you could crawl under a bed back in those days. You can't now. But uh, she said, Terry, I tell you, when God got the Holy Ghost, I was walking across the floor and the power of God hit me and knocked me down and slid me all the way across the floor and under the bed. And she said, I lay under the bed praying in tongues. Or I forget how many hours she told me. But So, I, I, you know, she'd tell me those stories and I'd love it. And, one, and on this particular trip, I'm talking to her. And she said, Terry, I just got a book in the mail from Oral Roberts. And I think you'd really, really, really like it. And I said, well, great. Gimme, gimme. And, uh, and she said, well, here it is. She gave it to me. And it was called The Miracle of Seed Faith. Yeah. It was free for nothing. In fact, I think you can still get it free for nothing. Best deal in the world. Uh, but you can just write Oral and say, send me a copy of Seed Faith. And then send it to you. I think you can still write Richard. And I think they still do it. I, I could be wrong on that. They may charge you. But I haven't, I haven't checked into it in decades and decades and decades. But I know they still have the book. And so I took that book back, Kathy Joe, to... To, uh, I was in El Paso at the time at Fort Bliss, Texas, air defense, missiles, you know, Patriot missiles and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so um, I took it back out there and, and read it and read it and read it and reread it and reread it and read it and reread it. And, and the only way I can explain it to y'all as a congregation is the same way there. I, I, I told Jackie back all the I said, I don't know how to explain what's happened to me except that this book has got born in my spirit. That's a phrase I used with her. I said, I don't know any other way to explain it. But it's on the inside of me. It's, it's in me. I said, it's the greatest thing I've ever read in my life. And she said, what's so great about it? I said, well, just listen to what, listen to what he's saying. Now, Earl later, became, he and I became very good friends. We spent a lot of time together and, and lots and lots of time together and lots of meals together. And, but this, I didn't know him back then. I just knew who he was. And, uh, 
And I read that book, and I read it, and read it, and read it. And, and he, he is, I guess, the first preacher. Every, every preacher and their dog does it now, even those that don't know how to do it, and even those that are crooks, and even those that are liars, and even those that don't know how to work it. They just figure they can make some money off of it. But, but, but Oral was the first one that I know of that likened your money to a seed. Like I said, everybody and their dog does it now. Every pastor gets up in the, in the pulpit, every radio preacher, every TV preacher, sow your seed, sow your seed, 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 seed. And like I said, my, most of them don't even know how that works. or They just know it does work, so they, never mind. My job is not to stand up here and butcher preachers today. But, but, but there are a lot of preachers preach a lot of stuff they don't have a clue what they're talking about. Or right, it's a gimmick to them. But uh, oral, when I read that, and he likened money to seed. It made so much sense to me. Because he said, uh, he said, you need to understand something about tithing and giving. He said, that money is seed. And he said, you're a farmer. Everybody say, I'm a farmer. And he said, uh, no farmer, no farmer in the world plants for fun. He said, they plant for profit. He said, every farmer on the planet. Now, as an 18-year-old kid, I lived in the jungles of Panama with an Indian tribe that didn't wear clothes, and I knew they lived that way. I watched them. I, I, I watched them go in the jungle and have a bag of corn on their hip and a sharp-pointed stick and barefooted, and they'd take that stick and poke a hole drop a kernel of corn in that hole, step on it with their bare foot, poke another hole, and they just walk. And they come to a big rock or a big tree, they just go around it. So they didn't have, they didn't have straight rows like we do here, they, but, they, they, but they had rows. And everywhere they put a kernel of seed in a corn in that ground and stepped on it with their bare foot, a corn stalk grew. And I mean in the jungle with that heat and that sun and that rain, those stalks grew six, seven feet tall. And here in the States, we say it needs to be knee high by the 4th of July, but I mean, they had, they had some stalks. It had produced six ears to a stalk. Man, that's serious. And so every one of those natives knew that they put one kernel of corn, one kernel of corn in the ground, it would produce who knows how many kernels. Way more than what they put in. It was a law. Right? Yes. And so I, I immediately got that. I immediately got what he said that farmers plant for profit. Uh-huh. Years, years later, he called me one day and he said, Terry, run up here at the office and let's, let's have some lunch. Let's visit. So I dropped what I was doing, ran up to ORU. You know, we were sitting there and went into the dining room and having lunch. And, and he said, Terry, first, first thing he said, we went and sat down for lunch. He said, Terry? And I said, yes, sir. He said, Christians are the stupidest people on the face of the planet. I said, well, Brother Oral, why would you say something like that? And he said, well, think about it. He said, Christians are the only people on the face of the planet that eat their seed. He said, no farmer eats their seed. As soon as he said that, I saw those Indians I lived with. And I thought, that's right, they never ate their seed. They harvested those corn, they shucked that corn, and then they took, they took their seed corn and went and put it away and covered it up so the rats couldn't get it and the bugs and the birds couldn't get it and, and the rain couldn't get it. I mean, they, they guarded that seed 
And then they took the rest of it and separated it for what they're going to eat. And then they took the rest of it and took it into Panama City by a canoe and sold it or bartered it or traded to live by it. So they had three deals. They had their seed corn, they had their eating corn, and they had their corn they turned into money or goods. And they would not touch that seed corn because if they eat that seed corn, they don't want anything to plant. And if they don't have anything to plant, doesn't matter how nice they are, how great they are, how friendly they are, how just doesn't matter what they think, doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat, it just doesn't matter. If they don't have any seed, they can't plant, and if they can't plant, they can't harvest. And so as soon as he said that, I saw all that. And I said, Brother Oil, you're right. Christians are the stupidest people on the face of the earth. Nobody would eat their seed. No farmer would eat their seed. And he said this, he said, in Miracle Seed Faith, he said this, he said, he said, no farmer, no farmer wakes up in the morning and turns over to his wife in bed and says, honey, I'm going to go reap the North 40 today, knowing full well he's never planted the North 40. He wouldn't say that. It just can't work. It's such a law that you can, you can reap if you've Sowed. You can harvest if you've planted. You can go to the bank and deposit and they'll let you withdraw. But if you try to go to the bank and withdraw when you haven't deposited, they'll put you in jail. Right? It's a law. And if you've given, you can receive. It's a law. And I tell you, sitting out there in El Paso, Texas, in the Army, I've had people tell me, Darrell, I've had people tell me, oh, all these years, I'm sure you have to. Well, I know that stuff works for preachers. People give y'all money. And Terry, I know that works for you as a missionary. People give y'all money. No, no, I wasn't in a missionary. I wasn't in the ministry. I was a soldier. It was working for me as a soldier. I made $128 a month. There was no other money anywhere until I started that. And, and I need to wrap this up because of the clock. But, but, but in that book, Oral said this. He said there's three keys. Three keys. And he said this is how this works. And if you want to work it, it'll work for you. He said, number one, you must realize God is your source. Amen. He said God owns everything. Don't fight that war over who owns what. Give it up and say, God, you own it all. Amen. He said God owns the blood in your body. He owns the air in your lungs. He owns your car. He owns your house. He owns your wife. He owns your husband. He owns your kids. He owns your clothes. Your house is made out of ingredients from God's earth. Your car is made out of ingredients from God's earth. Your clothes are made out of ingredients from God's earth. Everything came from God. And he said, settle that. Get that on the inside of you. Don't, don't fight that war. He didn't say, fight, don't fight that war. I, I, that, I started incorporating that on my, in my sermon on every war fall over who owns what. Don't fight that war with God. Realize God's your source. Yes. Well, I didn't have any problem with that there in the army. I said, okay, God, I got that. You're my source. Amen. I don't have a problem with that. You're my source. Right. That's right. Doctors told Jackie all her life she couldn't have children. We found some scriptures and said she could. And so, and so uh, our oldest son, Lynn, was born. He's 51 now. Uh, but he was born. And so I didn't have a problem saying, you're the source of my baby. Doctors said she couldn't have babies. And we prayed and you gave us one. You're the, you're the source of that baby. You own that baby. Yes. 
So, yeah, you're, you're my source. I got to give it up. You're my source. No problem with that. He said, number one, you must realize God's your source. And he said, number two, he said, you must give first. He said, this is where Christians mess up. He said, no farmer goes out to the field that he's never sowed in and says, okay, field, give me some. Give me a harvest. He said, no, you've got to give to the field first. If you give to the field first, it'll give it back to you more than you gave it. But you can't go out there and say, you give me first. And he said, Christians make this mistake all the time. He said, Christians love God. They love the pastor. They're sitting in church. Pastor stands up and says, hey, we need to build a building. Hey, we need to build a parking lot. Hey, we need to build a Sunday school room. Hey, we want to support a missionary. And, and you're sitting there as a Christian. You love God and you love the pastor. And you say, I want to do that. I want to help pastor. I want to build the church. I want to help the missionary. So God, uh, give me some money and I'll, I'll do that. And God says, I can't do that. It violates my laws. My hands are tied. you got to give me something first Amen. that I can multiply yes. and give it back to you, and then you can give it to me. Amen. But I can't give to you first. you got to give to me first. Because yes. see, if you give God zero, He's going to take it. And He's going to multiply it. He's going to give it back to you. But He won't pay the rent. I mean, 100 times zero is zero. So, so I got that. I got, okay, God's my source. I got that. No, I have a problem with that. Okay, give first. I, I got that. I got that. I, I can handle that. Sure, that makes sense. No farmer. Yeah, I got that. You got you to, yeah, sure. He said, number three, and this is where I was messing up all my life. He said, number three, expect a miracle. He said, you must, M-U-S-T, must expect a harvest. A miracle. And he said, and see, that's what I was never doing, Josh. I was always giving to God, but not dare put any pressure on him, not dare expect anything back. Now, now, now you can get a harvest even if you don't expect. I mean, you can go out here, you can go out here on the, uh, under the tree with, with, on, at the church picnic and eat a watermelon and, and the seed fall down and a watermelon deal might grow. You're going to get some residual stuff, you know, but it's not going to be like you planted it on purpose and expected it on purpose. But it is a law. If you sow a seed accidentally or on purpose, it's still going to grow. So God does bless you just because he's trying so hard to bless you, you just have tied his hands. But if you do it on purpose and lose him, gee whiz. And so when he said expect a miracle, he went a step further. And this is the cool part. He said, and most Christians expect their harvest from an expected source. He said, don't do that. He said, you expect from an unexpected source. He said, most Christians uh, just think their job's their source. So they just say, okay, God, bless me in my job. And he said, fine, go ahead and ask God to bless your job. Your, your job ought to increase and bless you and it ought to produce. But he said, that's not your source. He said, you're working for that. It belongs to you. But he said, you, you start expecting from unexpected sources. God's your source. Give first. Expect a miracle. And expect from unexpected sources. I tell you, from that day, I started looking for money. I mean, walking down the street, I'm looking. Driving down the street, I'm looking. I said, if God, you send it with an albino raven with pink eyeballs, I'll take that. Amen. If you send an old cow with a bag of money in her mouth, I'll take the bag of money and milk her before she leaves. Amen. I mean, I'm looking from unexpected 
sources. And then he said something else that just changed my world. He said, never, 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 never pay your tithe and never, 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 never give an offering without praying over it and putting some faith on it. He said, when pastor stands up and says, let's receive uh, the offering, he said, you, you, you give that in faith. You give that expecting. You give that looking for a return. You give that... Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, pastor said, take the offering a while ago, and he gave you some scripture out of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Oral said to me one day, we were having lunch one day up at his office, and he said to me, he said, Terry, I wouldn't go to a church. I would not go to a church that took up an offering and didn't give me some scripture and some exhortation about how God had blessed me back. Amen. He said, I just wouldn't do it. And I, and I agree with him. Man, I, I want to hear what the word says. I want to hear how I can apply the word. Right? Yes. You know, Renee and I prayed over. She already had our check made out this morning. We prayed on it before we ever got here. We both laid hands on it, prayed, prayed on it. We didn't wait till we got here and say, oh, man, yeah, that's right. There's an offering. No, 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 no. We was thinking about the offering before we ever got here. Yeah. And prayed over it before we ever got here. Yes. And just couldn't wait to get it out of our hand. Because, see, as long as it's still in her purse... Even though we've prayed over it, even though we said we're going to, we intend to sow it. No farmer ever reaped on seed he intended to sow. No Christian, Christian. You know, I, I've been in so many churches in my life because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in churches all the time as a preacher, and so, so, so many times over the years and years and years, pastor will be up here and he'll say, he'll say, now brother so and so or sister Trudy Fruity, uh, stand up and receive the offering. Stand up and pray over the offering. They'll stand up. Well, Lord, just bless the giver and bless those that intended to give. Well, see, that's a prayer. Keep God keep. May sound nice. May give you the warm fuzzies. But God sent her with his hands tied. I said, I can't do that. I can't bless them for intending to give. I can't bless seed they intended to sow. I can't multiply something they didn't sow. Right? So he said, expect a miracle. Expect from an unexpected source. Mm-mm-mm. And pray over it. Don't give it without faith. Give it in faith. Give it on purpose. Give it. Put God in remembrance of his word. Tell him. I just think it's so cool that God and Jesus said all these things, Kathy Joe, in the Bible, Old Testament, New, about giving. And if, if we'd give to him, how he'd give it back. He didn't have to do that. Right. He could just said, look, not head, give. Right. Right. I'm God. You're the, you're the peon. I'm the master. You're the servant. Give. But he didn't do that. He said, listen, if you'll bring your tithe into the storehouse. Did y'all ever read the book of Malachi? All the book of Malachi is about is God is bent out of shape, ticked off, mad, upset at preachers. If you ever want to see preachers get in trouble, go read Malachi. That's all it's about. These preachers are lying, cheating, thieving crooks and they're cheating God and they're cheating the people and he throws divorce in there on top of it and says you've even, even stealing from your wife and uh, he says uh, he said you, you, you rascals have been giving me 
for an offering. You've been giving me polluted offerings. You've been giving me polluted bread. You've been giving me old moldy bread. He says, you've been giving me blind sheep, lame sheep, crippled sheep, fourth and sixth best sheep. He says, I want the best. Amen. He said, go give that nonsense to your governor and see if he'll take it. Y'all need to take that second and third and fourth and fifth best stuff to the IRS and say, here, we're going, here, here's our taxes. That's what God said. He said, see if he'll take it. See if your governor will take it. I don't want it. You know, for years, Pastor, I, I, as I travel, I'm in churches all over the, everywhere. And uh, churches always give me little guided tours of their facility. I never know why they do that and wish they wouldn't, but they do. And so I go around and say, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. And so some of them have just lots of rooms they show you. So I go in all the rooms. And, and, and over the years, many, many, many times they'd open a door and there's a room and there's no beat up upright piano. And then they go in the next room and there's no upright piano. And you go in the next room and there's no beat up upright And I have stopped and asked several, several pastors, how come there's so many old beat up upright pianos around here? Well, you know, Sister Whooping Diddle got her a new one at her house and gave us her old one. Oh, Dr. Tootie Fruity, he got, he, got he got a new one and gave us, uh, gave us his, his old one. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I think, God didn't want that. God wants the new one. You keep, you keep the beat up one. And you buy God a new one. And then see what happens. See, God said to those people, go read Malachi. He said, don't... Daryl, it scares me when I read Malachi. He said to those preachers, he said, don't you be coming down to my altar and bringing me an offering. I don't want it. And don't you weep bitter tears on my offering, on my altar, because I don't care. Kathy Joe, if God told me don't be coming bringing him an offering, terrifying. Cut me off. Oh my. And say, I'll not take your offering. Man, I'd be repenting and pleading and begging and crying and carrying on. And I mean, go read Malachi. He said, don't be bringing, don't, I'm not going to take an offering from your hand. I'm done with you. I don't need your offering. I don't want it. And don't. And by the way, don't come down here and cry on my altar either. Because I'm not going to listen to it. You, you go give your governor that blind sheep, if you, that lame sheep. You, you, I don't want your. I don't want your second best. I want your used junk. It's terrible. That's when he goes into the part that everybody's familiar with in Malachi and says, "Will a man rob God?" Yeah, they had been robbing him. That's who he's talking to. You know, for years I'd fly in someplace to preach, and a pastor had come to pick me up, different states, different places, in different countries. And usually they'd bring two of the young men from the church to carry luggage or, or get to meet me or whatever. And so they'd say, But there, just point your luggage out, and we got it covered. All right, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. And, uh, one of these young men, they'd reach over there and pick up my luggage, you know, and, and they'd stand there all grinning, you know. I say, young man, do you pay your tithes? Sir, do you pay your tithes? Well, yes, sir. It's okay. Fine. And I have had several of them ask me over the years, say, what, what would you have said if I said no? I'd say, well, I'd put my luggage down. You know, if you'd rob from me, from God, you'd steal from me. I don't trust you lying, thieving. 
tell him what Wayne did. My, my spiritual father, who's 100 years old, Wayne Myers, he was driving through the mountains of Mexico one night, was giving a pastor, a Mexican pastor, a ride back home, going through dangerous, bandit-ridden mountains. And uh, the, pastor, the pastor was sitting over there, and Wayne's driving. The pastor said, hey, no Wayne, Brother Wayne, money's tight, and things are hard, and the church isn't doing well, and we don't have any money. And Wayne said, are you paying your tithes? I hermano, brother Wayne. I hermano Wayne. Uh, we can't. We can't afford it. We can't. We we can't. He, Wayne just pulls over in the dark. Get out. <laughs> what? Get out of this car. Hey, hermano. What? Why are you get, get out of this car? God gave me this car. This is God's car. Amen. Good. You gonna ride in God's car with a curse on you? You gonna let you 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 gonna cause this car to be wrecked and damaged and maybe kill me because you're a liar and a thief and a cheat and a robber? Come on. You stealing from God and you riding in this car? Get out! Yeah. But it's dark. Get out! So he gets out. Please don't leave me, brother Wayne. Please don't leave me. No, you're not getting in this car. You liar. You thief. I'll pay my tithes. I'll pay my tithes. Don't tell me. Tell God. Amen. Lord, I'll pay. No, get on your knees and tell God. I get down on your knees. Oh, God, I, 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 repent. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, get back in the car. Well, let's go. <laughs> but it's just that serious. Yeah. It's just that serious. He's fighting that same old dumb war. Who owns what? Well... I just can't afford it. I've got a knot-headed preacher friend in Tulsa. <laughs> pastor. Big church. Used to be a big church. It's dead now. For obvious reasons. And uh, he used to always teach to his congregation. That's several thousand in the congregation. And he always taught. Now look, if you're in debt, you don't have to pay tithes. You need to pay your tithes, but not if you're in debt. You need to get out of debt. And so I went to him and I said, uh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in all my life. I said, you're, you're hurting your people. How am I hurting my people? I'm helping them. You're not helping them. I said, you, you're telling those people if they're in debt, they don't have to pay tithes. He said, that's right. I said, so some of those guys sitting out there saying, hey, cool, I just don't ever have to pay tithes. I'll just go buy a new TV. I get that paid off, I go buy a new car. And I get that paid off, I go buy something. I don't ever have to pay tithes. Pastor said I don't have to pay tithes if I'm in debt. I'm in debt. I said, what, a, what an evil thing you're doing. Isn't that amazing? People are always looking for a loophole to fight that war of who owns what. But I own it, I own it, I own it. So anyway, let me, let me, let me wrap this up real quick. I haven't got anywhere I wanted to go, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to pick a spot here. So in the Army, we started doing what that book said. We got on our knees and we said, looky here, looky here, looky here. And we agreed. She and I both agreed. 
And we said, from now on, when we get our $128, we're going we're gonna to write out our tithe check, write out our partner checks, lay hands on those things, pray over them, declare what God said over them, declare what God said about the tithe, declare what Jesus said about the offer. I mean, Jesus and God said stuff in the Old Testament and knew about our giving and tithing and how it would bless us. They didn't have to do that. Like I said a while ago, they, they issued that command, so we just jump on it. And say, absolutely. Jesus just sitting around with the guys one day and he just said, hey guys, uh, give. He'll be giving you again. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over the same measure you meet with all, be measured you again. Amen. What a deal. <laughs> Jesus said that. Yeah, yes, and then he's sitting around in Mark chapter 10 and, and walking around and the rich young ruler comes to him and says, hey, I want to play too. And he said, well, fine, sell all you got and give to the boy. I can't do that. So he went away sad. And then the disciples got all upset and said, well, then who can be saved? Said, what, what? So what? What? And then Jesus said this. He said, hey, guys, come on. Whatever you give for my sake and the gospel's sake. He's not talking about what you give to your mother-in-law or your kids or your cousin. or No, no. He said, whatever you give to, for my sake and the gospel's sake. He said, you'll get it back a hundredfold. Now in this life. And eternal life will not to come. Now, you know, Christians do not believe that. And a lot of preachers do not believe that. I've talked to preachers. I've talked to friends of mine. Talked to one of my spiritual fathers. He just said, I just don't believe it, Terry. I said, I can't imagine you don't believe it. I said, you're one of my faith heroes. I said, I'd take a bullet for you. I'd die for you. you you've taught me faith. You're my, you're my hero. You're my father. And you, you don't believe what Jesus said? I said, Jesus said it. Yes. This wasn't Paul, Peter, John the Baptist. This was Jesus that said this. And you don't believe it? He said, no, I shouldn't believe it. I said, well, sir, would you tell me why you don't believe it? He said, well, sure. He said, I keep meticulous records, and uh, I've never got a hundredfold return. I said, who made you the example? I said, with all due respect, I love you. I'd wash your feet and take a bullet for you. I love you dearly. I'm not rebuking you. But I'm saying to you, you're not the example. I said, it'd be like saying you don't believe in healing because you, your wife or mother or somebody died of cancer. Just because you didn't experience it doesn't work. I said, you wouldn't preach that from the pulpit. You wouldn't preach that. I said, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure that's true. I said, you know, I've seen, you, I've seen people give you airplanes. I've seen people give you buildings. I've seen people give you buses. I've seen people give you million-dollar offerings and multi-million-dollar offerings. I said, are you sure you never got back 100 fold? He said, nope, I kept meticulous records. I never got back 100 fold. And I said, well, I said, Jesus said, now in this life, I said, you still breathing. So, it's, so it ain't over to the fat lady sings. I said, so it's not over yet. You, you still, as long as you're alive, you're still eligible. And I said, well, I said, I know you believe in good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. He said, oh yeah, sure, of course. I said, well, that may be more than a hundredfold. He said, yeah, it could be. But just because he doesn't believe it, and he's like, he's my father, and I respect him and love him dearly, ain't gonna change me. Ain't going to change me. Jesus said it. Yes. 
I mean, Jesus said it. What am I going to do? Take a preacher that's my spiritual father or Jesus? I think I'll go with Jesus. But preachers don't believe it. Christians don't believe it. But Jesus said it. How could it not be true? Then Paul told us if you sow seed, he said then the seed becomes what? It becomes seed sown. Past tense. See, that check she wrote out and we prayed over today, it wasn't seed sown until she went up there and took her, put it in the bucket and took her hands off of it. Yes. Now, we had intended to sow it. We had already prayed over sowing it. She had already written out the check. As far as we're concerned, it's done. But it's not done. Right. Right. It wasn't seed sown until it went up here. And we think, yeah, get that off of me. Yeah, it's, it's yours, Lord. Amen. It's now seed sown, Amen. which according to your word now makes me the sower. And Paul said that God will bless the sower, the one who sows, the seed sown. When you do seed sown, then you become the sower. Then God blesses the sower with a harvest. So now you have all sufficiency and all things to give to every good work. See, those are laws of God. Amen. So we started doing that. I mean, every month, $128 comes in. We pray over it. Pray over those partner checks, send them back home. And I mean, God started moving on our behalf in the army, Kathy Joe. I mean, we're not preachers, we're not missionaries, we're soldiers. And all of a sudden, ladies come over and say, Honey, to Jackie, honey, come, we're going to take you to the PX and show you how to shop. We're going to show you how to shop for a month. Well, that changed our life. Yes. Right. I mean, sinners were coming to help us. Somebody had me a $5 bill. So I said, Sinners, give me a $5 bill. What? You know, I mean, just. One day we got a phone call from her parents, and they said, uh, "Hey, so when we when Jackie was a baby, we took out an insurance policy on her, and uh, and, and over the years we had paid it off, but we forgot about it, and it matured, and now the insurance company just sent us a several. It wasn't it wasn't like a hundred thousand dollars. It was you know it was three or four thousand dollars. I forget how much now. I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but but several thousand dollars when you don't have any money, that's yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> that's in 1969, and we're 19." And uh, said, you know, it's her, it's, we, we bought the policy for her, so now he says, let's keep it the money. We're just going to let y'all have it. Well, man, pow, here comes three or $4,000. You know, not to a preacher. Just, and then, you know, somebody gave us this, somebody gave us that, and somebody, you know, they'd take us out to eat, or they'd do this, or they'd do that. All of a sudden, our life just totally changed. Amen. Just because of what we were doing here. So we moved from, from, Given to give yes. over to giving in order to live. Because yes. Oral said, hey, if you got a bill, if you got a need, if you got a problem, then go over here and sow some seed and, and declare that's the harvest, and then that seed grows and you can pay that bill off. That's right. yes. Well, hey, that started working for us. Yeah. And it worked and worked, and it would still work today. Yes. I mean, I work for anybody. But when I got out of the army, we moved to Mexico as missionaries, and I, and I ran into Wayne Myers. And Brother Wayne, my, 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 my. Brother Wayne was not living to live. He was not given to give. He was not even given in order to live. This guy was, was on the planet with the purpose of blessing somebody. First time we ever spent the night with him, me and Jackie and our baby. Lynn was one of in the army, got out of the army, came to Mexico. And we're, we're at their house in their guest room. And, and early the next morning, there's a knock at the door. And Wayne says, uh, you kids decent? 
And I said, well, sir, we're, we're still in bed, but we're decent. And he said, well, then I'm coming in. I said, yes, sir. And he, he walks in with a, with a silver tray, Kathy Joe, with three glasses of orange juice. And he serves me and Jackie in bed, and, and our baby in bed, uh, orange juice. And I'm sitting there, there so touched. I think, this great man of God, this veteran missionary statesman, that's raised the dead and cast out devils and won souls. And, all, and I'm a nobody. We just got here. We, we don't want to come here from Sikkim. We're green as a gourd. And he's serving us orange juice in bed. Wow. It, it just touched me. Really touched me. And later, the next day, uh, he handed me, and, I'll, and it's 1230. I'll, I'll, I'll quit right here. But he handed me a little tiny envelope. Remember how those little envelopes used to be in the back of church pews? Little bitty envelopes for ties. I don't know. I guess that was their vision for... <laughs> But anyway, he a little bitty, yeah. Yeah, three or four inches. Yeah. Well, he pulled one of those out of I was at his house that same trip. And he pulled one of those out of his pocket. And he said, had it to me. And he said, he said, here, son. He said, I've given many a missionary an offering with the instructions to go home. They don't belong here. They'll probably get killed if they stay here. They've got the missionary burden, but not the missionary call. They're good people. They love God. They're just not called to be here. So I give them an offering to help them get home. He said, but you, he said, I'm going to give you this and tell you, you know what, I think, I think God's going to use you. I think God's going to do something. I see something in you. I believe God's going to use you. And, the, the, and I counted it, and it was Mexican pesos when the American equivalent was $17. And um, I've told Wayne over the last 50 years, many times I've told him this, I said, that's the best $17 investment you ever made in your life. That's the best $17 investment you ever made in your born days. Because not only has God used me to go all over the world and raise the dead and heal the sick and blind eyes open, devils out of witch doctors and win souls and all those miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles. But he gets a check every Friday of the world. I mean, every Friday of the world, he gets a check. And I mean, it's big checks. He, he told Terry when we were there this last time, he said, Terry, you've stuck with us the longest. And that's 75 years in Mexico. Wow. He said, you're the one that stuck with us the longest. I said, I'll be with you till you're gone. That's right. I'll be with you till you're that's gone. Honor. That's Amen. Honor. And uh, my office used to ask me, and my son Lynn, he said, Dad, I think I know the answer to this. But he said, I've got a question. I said, what is it, bud? And he said, if, if Brother Wayne dies first before Martha, and Martha died last February, but he said, if, my, if Brother Wayne dies before Martha, I said, uh, uh, what are we going to do? Are we still going to send money to her? And I said, till the day she dies, we'll take care of her. He said, well, I knew you'd say that, but I just wanted to hear it. I just, I just wanted to make sure, you know, since I'm cutting the checks. And I said, you, you, if Wayne dies, you take care of her till the day she goes to heaven. And uh, she died first, so, you know, Renee and I went down there, what, two weeks ago, and uh, I took him $5,000 cash a month ago. I, had to, I called my CPA in, in, in Florida, and I said, I want to give Wayne $5,000 cash. I said, I know I can give him a check, but I want to give him cash. And I said, I don't know how to do it legally, except just to write me a check for $5,000 and show it his salary and I'll pay taxes on it, you know, and then I'll go give it to him because I don't know how I can give him the cash and, and it's not a ministry expense. I mean, it is a ministry expense. We're giving, we're giving to a minister, but, but, but I can't show that 
on paper. And I said, so what do I do? He said, no, you're right. He said, just, just pay it to you as salary. Write you a check for salary. And he said, and then you, you pay taxes on it. And I said, okay. So I said, I just want to check because I want this above board. So anyway, we went down there and gave him that $5,000. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, I've told you and Martha this all the years I've known you. But I said, I want to tell you again. Because he's 100 years old, I don't know what, you know, he's remembering. <laughs> and so I said, anytime I give you cash, anytime I give you money, I said, it's, it's, you give it, you spend it. There's no strings attached. You know, you give it to your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids. Give it to pastor. I don't care what you do with it. You can buy ice cream with it for all I care. None of my business. I'm giving it to God. And uh, it's none of my business what you do with it. But, uh, but you know, and, and he's told me for years, you know, at the end of the year, he'll say, well, son, one more time, you were our biggest giver for the year. And I said, well, I always say the same thing. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I wish somebody would give five or ten times more than I'm giving. But I said, it's getting better. I'm going to give you more every year. Gives to like 25 different ministers. Yeah, he gives like 25 different ministers, you know. Take, he takes our money and gives it to different Build churches in Mexico. Yeah, builds churches, puts roofs on churches, helps orphans, helps feeds people, helps people. But you know, that living, I learned living to give from him. And uh, when I saw that, that, that time when he brought us that orange juice, I said to Jackie, I said, these people are not doing what we're doing. I said, we learned from oral. If we had a need, plant a seed, and God would give us money, and we'd meet the need. And she said, yeah. And I said, that works. I said, we can do that from now until the day we die. We can do that forever. That'll work. I said, but that's not what they're doing. I said, Wayne and Martha, that's not what they're doing. I said, they're, they're actually giving first. They're, they're, they're giving. Uh, I mean, they're actually living every day. Every day with the purpose of loving, lifting, caring, sharing. I said, I said, he's not doing this, but it's almost like he's going outside, standing on the street corner and passing down money. I said, he's not doing that, but I said, it's almost like that's what he, he's looking for a place to bless. He's looking for a place to give. And I said, from, from this day forward, you agree with me right now, let's hold hands and agree. From this day forward, that's how we're going to live. We're going to adapt this lifestyle. We're going to go from giving in order to live, we're going to go to living to give. Amen. And I said, and let's make a commitment that we will give something to somebody every day. And let's try to make it monetary. It could just be if we can't make it monetary, then we'll give them something. We'll give them a hand up, a help out, a, a smile, buy them a meal. We'll do something. And I said, but neither is it going to be a law with us. We're not going to make it a law where we're miserable. If we go to bed at night and say, oh, my God, I didn't give anybody something today. i got to get up and go. I'm not going to be bound. You know, it's not, I'm not going to have bondage with it, you know, because law is bondage. Bondage is law. And I said, but we're going to accept this. We're going to take on this lifestyle. And so we made, we made several commitments there that day. And I said, and also, I said, Lord, I said, uh, I'm, not, I'm not ever going to. I told you when I came to Mexico, I'd never be broke. I'm just not going to be broke. I said, it's not right. If I work for God's son and company, I shouldn't be broke. You should pay me. And, and, and if the cost of living goes up, I expect you to raise my salary. And I said, I said but I said, uh, Neither am I going to squeeze money. And I told Jackie, I said, if we get down to a five or a ten or maybe even a twenty, that's all we got. I said, I'm not going to squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze it and squeeze that. I said, I'm going to get rid of it. I said, I'm going to go give it away. I'm going to pray over it. I'd, I'd rather have it as a seed. 
you know. And I said, so we're going to pray over it and get, get rid of it. Put it in the soil, put it in the ground. And say, okay, Lord, I'm broke. And I told you I'd never be broke, so it's your turn. God's a good checker player. It's your turn. I just made a move. It's now it's your move. And I mean, and we, we've done that for 50 years now. To where, to where, to where, okay, God, it's your turn. Something, something's got to happen here because I don't want to be broke. And I mean, every time over the years, I mean, God just do something. God, you know, Renee can tell you because it may, I don't know if it's frustrated her since she married me or not, but, but, but it, it, it's frustrated my friends and people for decades because people would say to me, Terry, how do you, how do you live? And I'd say, I can't tell you. I just live by faith. I know that, but how do you live? I know you want an answer that you can write down on paper, but well, where do you get your money from? I said, it just comes from God. I said, it doesn't come from the same place every month. You know, it just comes from different places. And, you know, since Renee and I have been married, she said to me so many times, she said, I cannot imagine. The, I, I just staggered by thinking of the 54 years that you've gone overseas, all the airplane tickets God's bought. All the hotels, all the rental cars, all the food. And then when you do these pastor's conferences, those pastor's conferences I do, Darryl, you know, they're, they're at least $40,000 a piece, $40,000, because I'm feeding those pastors three meals a day. I'm, I'm putting them in hotels. I'm probably the first one ever to put gypsies in hotels in Romania. You know, and I mean, just, just you're talking some big dollars, big, 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 big dollars. One year, I, I, I had 200 pastors in, that I'd invited in Romania to come to a hotel, and I'm paying for it. And so when I got there, and I had the hotel reservations and all that, well, when I got there, there wasn't 200 pastors, there were 400. And so I said, uh, guys, I only invited 200. I know, Brother Terry, but we, please, please preach to us. Well, I can't, man. I've got the budget. I mean, I can't, I, you know. Please, nobody else will preach to us. Please preach to us. Please preach to us. Please help us. You've got the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? What? Way? And so I said, okay, great. So I, I got more hotel rooms. Pulled out every credit card I had and maxed them out. And, uh, and when I came home from that, a friend of mine, really good friend of mine, pastor, uh, had me come preach at his church. And then he, he called me in his office the next day. He said, Terry, he said, I want you to sit down and talk to you. He said, you know, you just went to Romania and, and you, you had those 400 pastors and you went in debt. I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, you, you just don't understand budgeting. He said, I'm going to teach you about budgeting. I said, no, sir. I understand budgeting. I, I, I said, it's, it's just math. I said, I get that. I said, you know, if, you're, if, if your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. I got that. I understand that. I'm not an idiot. Right. I said, I knew what my budget was before I went over there. I said, what you don't understand is that you're sitting in the United States of America in your big church, in your big office, and you're just saying, budget, son. Don't you understand budgeting? I said, you're not over there looking in their eyes when they're saying, please preach to me. Please don't turn me away. Please give us the words of eternal life. Please tell us how to use the word of God. Please, Brother Terry. Please, Brother Terry. I said, I, I, I said what would you do? I said, God will take care of it. I said, I paid for it. I, I pulled my credit cards out and paid for it. I said, it, it, my bill's paid. And I'll pay the credit cards off. He said, no, I'm paying the credit cards off. God told me to. I just was going to teach you about budgeting. But he said, you're... <laughs> And so he wrote out a check for, I don't know, $40,000 or whatever it was. 
Now, how would you know? You weren't around. Is that what it was, 25000 And so anyway, he paid that off. And, uh, but you know, I, I, I've had people stop me for decades and decades and decades and say, Terry, how do you, how do you live? How do you, how do, you do that? I, I can't tell you how I do it except, except this, and, and you know that. You, you know that. You don't believe it and don't operate by it, but you know that's where I got it. And I don't know how to explain it to you except that's what I do. I, say, I, I don't call anybody and ask them to help me. I don't borrow money. I don't, you know. But living to give is a real lifestyle. Amen. So I'll let y'all go. Did y'all get anything out of all this? We pray you were blessed by the message we were able to share with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God or to find out more about our ministry, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.